0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Sharif. Uh, This morning I'll be reading Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 20 to 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: All right, good morning. It's, uh, it's great to see you all here this morning. Um, my name is Dave, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and um, if you're new or you've never heard me um, preach before, just a a heads up, I have a stutter, so it'll kind of come in and out as uh, as we go, and just want to make sure that you guys know um, what that is, and um, also congruent Congratulations, we are the few that made it here this morning in light of the craziness outside. Um, Yeah, I know, yeah, on that, I don't know if Stephen actually said something about that before, I I admit I was out there chatting, came in a bit late, but um, yeah, just, uh, there's an event going on downtown that happens every so often, um, and we kind of didn't foresee that one coming, and um, so anyway, no, um, parking was a lot harder this morning, but anyway, great, uh, good job, you know, I don't know. Nice work. So um, uh, we're going to get into our time together pretty quickly here uh, this morning. We're in, um, in uh, Proverbs chapter 4. We're in a short series going through the book of Proverbs. We just wrapped up being in, um, in the book of Acts for about a whole year. And uh, in the new year, we're going to be in Ephesians. And so now, though, we get to um, spend some time before the Advent, Christmas season in Proverbs. An incredibly practical, um, just helpful Place to be. In fact, uh, I didn't even share this last week, but for me, the first time I ever read God's word uh, on my own was the book of Proverbs. I was in sixth grade, someone recommended that I read a proverb a day for a month. And I'm pretty sure I just learned how to read, so I probably didn't even understand the majority of it. But um, God really used that in my life in significant ways to begin some practices and some helpful things to do. And that's even helps with what we're going to be talking about this morning. But, um if you don't have a Bible, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you one. Um, so go ahead, don't be shy. Um, hold your hand up and somebody will, will get you one. I want to make sure we all have uh, a copy of God's Word to read along with and follow along with. And if you don't own um, uh, a Bible, you do now. Okay, please keep this and make it your own. Y en español, si quieres la Biblia, por favor le de nosotros esta mañana estamos en capítulo so again we're in proverbs four I want to make sure everyone has a bible to read and follow along with and understand in their own language again this is our gift to you so um, you, you need one here okay oh, okay okay bueno okay. All right. Awesome. Got one. So I just want to make sure um, if you do something, I'll help. Okay. This can be like auction style. Um, make sure we get them. But um, uh, anything short of me like throwing them out to, to us. So let that, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to oversee our time together in, uh, in His Word. Okay. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for this time where we can come humbly and honestly together. I know in light of parking and traffic and other things uh, throughout the week, good and and difficult, we all come uh, here together in different places. And so now as we sit individually and as a community, we ask and we trust that the Holy Spirit whom you sent will uh, inform our time. Lord, that you will open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to, to hear and to respond to your good news and your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me uh, just get right into it here together. In Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. That verse right there, verse 23, is where we're going to spend the majority of our time, and just where we're going to be this morning is we're going to, we're going to be there, and we're going to kind of walk through that, and we are going to cover the whole section, but just a heads up, just so you know how we're going. The way Proverbs is written and design is it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's often, again, a series of of, um, of comparisons and contrasts and an invitation to reflect. And so what we're going to do, how we're going to go through it this morning is we're going to read and then um, kind of pause and step back and reflect in the greater counsel of what God is saying in, in, His, in His Word. So we're going to look at a number of other scriptures. Um, you can stay in Proverbs 4 and any other scripture that I re- reference will be up here um, on the screen, okay? But 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 let's first. I don't want to assume anything, all right? For for any of us, when we come and we read the scriptures, we, we need to just be honest and ask, hey, okay, what are we? What do we not know? What do we assume? Things like that. In verse twenty, that that big idea there of this whole section is keep your heart. Well, what is the heart? Is it Valentine's Day stuff? You know? Is it like? Cupid? Is it just emotions? Is it feelings? Is it things that you know kind of come and go that don't really matter? What well, what is it? Well, um, there's a really helpful video. It's about three and a half minutes long that I actually want us to watch this morning. We don't usually do that. We hardly ever kind of have m- movie time, you know, here together. But uh, but but this is a really helpful video by this group called the B- the uh, G- Gospel. Project, And I would, I would encourage you to, to uh, look them up. And this about three and a half minute video helps us get a, get a fuller idea of what the, the scriptures are referring to when heart is talked about. So let's go ahead and watch this, um, this video together.
0: For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to look at the fourth key word in this prayer, heart, which in Hebrew is sometimes pronounced levav, or more often in a shorter form, lev. Now, different cultures throughout history have had different conceptions of how the human body works, and this is also true of the ancient Israelite writers of the Bible. They knew that the heart was an organ in the chest that sustains life. There's mention of a heart attack in the Bible, Naval, whose heart died in inside of him and he became like stone. But the biblical authors talk about the heart in many other ways that might seem strange to modern readers. And that's because these Israelites had no concept of the brain or any word for it. They imagine that all of a human's intellectual activity takes place in the heart. For example, you know with your heart in the Bible. Your heart is where you understand and make connections. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom dwells in the heart. And your heart is what you use to discern between truth and error like Solomon did when he was king. So the heart is where you think and make sense of the world, and it's where you do more. In the Bible, the heart is where you feel emotions. You feel pain in your heart, like Hannah did when she couldn't have any children. In fact, the phrase, a broken heart, comes from ancient biblical Hebrew. You also experience fear in your heart. Your heart can melt or be distressed. Your heart can even be depressed. But then, on the flip side, your heart is where you experience joy. In Hebrew, to be happy is to be good of heart, or to have a heart of joy. So the heart is the generator of physical life. It's also the center of your intellectual and emotional life, and there's more. In biblical Hebrew, the heart is where you make choices motivated by your desires. So David had it in his heart to build a temple for God. Your heart is where your affections are centered. They're called the desires of your heart. And if you really want something and go after it, it's like what Nathan said to David, whatever's in your heart, go and do it. So then, in the Bible, the heart is the center of all parts of human existence. As in the well-known proverb, guard your heart because from it flows your whole life. Now, the prophet Jeremiah believed that the human heart was fundamentally broken. He said, the heart of a human is deceitful above all, irreversibly sick. Who can even understand it? He had watched a whole generation turn away from God. They started sacrificing their children as if that were a good thing. So this is why in the imagination of the Hebrew prophets, the only hope for humanity is the total renewal of the human heart. Moses predicted that if Israel was ever going to love their God, their heart would need to be circumcised, which is a very vivid and surprising metaphor about removing evil and stubbornness from the human heart. David, after he committed murder and adultery, pleads with God to create in me a pure heart. The prophet Ezekiel hoped for a day when God would remove the heart of stone and give his people a new heart of soft flesh, which is very similar to Jeremiah's hope that God would write the commands of the Torah on the hearts of his people. And that brings us all the way back to the Shema. Every day, God's people are called to devote to God their whole body and mind, their feelings and their desires, their future and their failures. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart.
1: All right. So, uh, again, in summary, the heart is the, the whole of 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 who we are. And so, as um, theologian Wayne Grudem uh, expounds on this on this passage, and he walks through it in a very helpful way, which we're gonna we're gonna do the same. Is he he walks through what does it mean to keep your heart, and then why focus on keeping our hearts? And then how? How do we go about it? Again, really, really practically. So again, um walking through what, why, and how. Okay, and that structure is how we're gonna go about this this morning. And, and as you see again here, it's written as as in as as words of, of caution and instruction from a loving, concerned father to his children. And there's this sense of, of the sense of urgency okay keep your heart so again first there what does that mean what what does it mean to keep your heart keep your heart with all vigilance what, what why what would we do that well okay think of it this way think of things in life that you protect okay things that you guard right and just be not just the big obvious ones but whatever it might be right we keep or protect our sports kind of affiliations right like, I've withheld, I've exercised restraint this far, but, all right, we had a really exciting game last night, U of A, we know that. I, um, I heard some cheers. The other team in Arizona also had a good game, so, you know, pro- there, tip of the hat to you every once in a while, we do that. But but honestly, right, like, I mean, people get in real physical fights. It's actually disgusting over sports. I love sports, I, I joke about it and stuff, but man, to go to that level, and that's protecting like an allegiance to a sports team that you never will ever have a chance of even playing for, and so, like it's pretty silly. And and then, but think of other things, right? Things that we protect. We protect our health. We protect our bodies with what we eat, with how we go about it. Um, things on a much more serious level, right? If you have children or grandchildren or or people that you love and you care about, you you protect them, right? You think. You you even orient your life and make massive decisions based on on protecting Um, someone with a a food allergy. Right, is like gonna think through the lens of I I, how do I'm gonna really ask hard questions to make sure I don't take something into my body that could could harm me. Right, on that note, yes, our uh, communion crackers are gluten free. I know that's um, sometimes people ask about that, and we want to make sure everyone can come before the Lord's table. And we'll talk more about that later. But right, that's an example, though. I, like people are going to ask that question: Is this gluten free? I need to protect my body. And those are all really good, really, really important things. And what this is saying here, what this author in Proverbs is saying, is not don't protect anything else, don't care about anything else in your life, but of all the things worth guarding, guard your heart. In fact, the translation is most likely even more clearly spelled out like this, as it's saying, um, of all the things you guard, guard your heart with all guarding, okay? Of everything else, not, oh, those things don't matter, but this really, really matters, Again, think of it this way. Think of a, almost a violent protection of what is going to inform and attach itself to your heart. That's what it means to keep your heart with all vigilance. But why? Okay, so that, that helps. Now, but why? why? Why guard our heart? Why protect it? Because again, it says, it says keep your heart with all vigilance vigilance why because from it flow the springs of life because all those other things that we already talked about right our our parenting our hobbies our relationships our whatever else it might be everything we do and in in essence everything we are and everything we do flows out of our core of who we are our, our, our our very hearts so there's this charge there Keep your heart. Now, I, I want to say for a second here, because I know this verse, I was even talking to my wife, her incredible wisdom and help, and just so you guys know, I don't do this thing on my own here. I almost every week um, get her counsel and insight here, and she shared something that I had forgotten, um, is that a lot of times, especially in our maybe younger demographic or people that are considering you know, a d- dating relationship or things like that, this verse gets thrown around a lot, right? Like, guard your heart. In fact, when I even asked her out, she actually kind of me um, because she was guarding her heart, and I was apparently going to be hostile toward it. Um, no, but there is wisdom there, and it was good. She just uh, made me work for it. But, but, but honestly, they, and sometimes this verse is we kind of like dismiss it as, oh, that's for like dating. Oh, guard your heart. And, but again, like you, we can't relegate or diminish God's word to be something that just like culture makes it. Does it apply there to dating relationships absolutely. But, but so much more, so much fuller. Again, you see that, that every aspect of life flows out of our hearts, and so there's this charge. Keep your heart. Guard it. In fact, Jesus in Luke even speaks of the heart this way. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of the, his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And this is something that we use in our home a ton. We talk about a lot. Oh, I didn't, I was just saying this. And we talk about, okay, what's not just on the, on the surface, what words are we saying? But where is that coming from? Right? What's the source of it? Right? This picture here in Proverbs of, of, of the spring, this incredibly helpful imagery that a river flowing out, right, begins somewhere. So everything in our lives that flows out from here is beginning in the heart. So still, why protect it? So do we just kind of just protect your heart as it is, right? Wherever you are right now, wherever you're coming from, just guard your heart. Protect it just as is. Is that what what we're charged to do here? As we saw in that video, no, there's the full counsel of God's word acknowledges things like um, Jeremiah 17.9 says which I think we have here, yeah. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Okay, there's this acknowledgement, this recognition that, that apart from God's intervention, our hearts maybe shouldn't be so protected. Like there's this reality, and maybe I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can see in ourselves and certainly in others and certainly in the world around us, there is wickedness and evil that flows from people's hearts, okay? It's because the, 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 the story of God, as it's referred to, or the full picture in the scriptures is that God did create us. In the beginning, he gave us a, a heart, a full humanity. He said, let us make man in our image, okay? That God created you, who you are, your identity, your purpose, everything about you to reflect him, to be beautiful, to have your, 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 your coming and your going, your standing up and your laying down, your, your everything that you do in your life to flow from who he is and that your identity and your purpose would, would, would reflect him. But then the reality that we see enter in in Genesis chapter three, very early on, um, something that's often referred to as the fall or the rebellion In a nutshell, we said, thanks, but no thanks, God. I don't want my identity and my purpose to flow from you. I want to do it on my own. And so individually and communally, corporately, we're told in Isaiah, we have all like sheep gone astray, each one to his own way. We've we've turned and said, no, God, I don't want my identity, my purpose, my heart to come from you. I want to figure it out on my own. And that's where we come into places like this in Jeremiah 17 that says, that uh, the heart is deceitful, desperately sick. Who can understand it? That, that picture of, of being in a place of desperation, of saying, I can't even fathom where I am or how I could be restored. But God doesn't leave us there. He doesn't say, hey, you made your bed, now you sleep in it. You know, go ahead and just do your thing. Like, sorry, it's not my, my problem. But from the very beginning, God promises to restore us, not just from afar, not just kind of a, like, he doesn't get his hands dirty, or he just puts, gives us, like, a, a, a list of things to check off of, do this and do that, and this will, this is how you're a better person, right? Behavior modification. But as was referenced in the video, just a handful of many, many Verses where God's promise reveals a total and full restoration, a restoration of the heart. In Jeremiah 31, that's one of many, but because it's in that same book where we see the the problem acknowledged and the, the promise revealed, where God says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. A picture of restoration, of redemption. Of, of freedom. There's so much just loaded imagery in the Scriptures of being freed from slavery, emancipated from our bondage to, again, this desperate state of, how did I get here and how do I get out of here? I am like, I, I can't even understand it. And this, this, this picture of God's intervention and His freedom, again, in Ezekiel, that, that picture of hearts of stone being turned to hearts of flesh. And we live in that day that Jeremiah prophesied thousands of years ago. When God would enter into our mess, Jesus, God the Son, would come, not from afar, not with like a wand and kind of like, you know, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, like, go ahead, get... get better and don't mess with me, but, but no, entering in and, and coming in and entering into our, our brokenness and our mess and, 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 and bringing full and total redemption and, and reconciliation with Him, our Creator, and with one another in our relationships on family level, on a communal level, on a societal level, all these things, and with ourselves, that our relationship with ourselves would be would be made new through the giving of, of new hearts. In Ephesians chapter 1, we get this picture talked about where, where we are given new hearts that are, are sealed, protected with God's very Spirit that He has sent to all those who put their faith in Jesus, who acknowledge and recognize that through Jesus' perfect life, His death on the cross in order to put an end to all the brokenness and the sin. That that word essentially means not God, right? When we said, no thanks God, I don't want anything to do with you. And all the effects of that, that Jesus would take that on himself on the cross and put an end to death and to suffering and to shame. To anything that we've done or that has been done to us that would leave us in this broken, hardened state. And then that he would raise from the dead. And then that God the Father would would have him ascend to his right hand. And then that he would make a promise that he is right now presently, currently ruling authoritatively and purposefully. And that he would one day return and bring in a final restoration of all things. To put things the way they ought to be. That by putting your faith in Jesus and then he sends the Holy Spirit to now seal, protect envelop. Again, as we looked at last week, 1 Corinthians, that the very wisdom of God is displayed in what we would consider as foolish, right? Like, if if we were in a bind, our action plan wouldn't be, I'm going to send my son to die, right, to get out of this bind. Like, that's foolishness to us. It's a stumbling block to the religious among us that would say, I got myself into this mess. I'm going to get myself out of it. God, I'll show you, right? I'll make you happy. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to get my life in order. I'm going to check off all these boxes and I'm going to, I'm going to just work it out, right? It, it, and yet we're told that, no, Jesus dying and raising from the dead is foolishness to the wisdom of this world, is a stumbling block to the religious, and yet is the very wisdom of God and the good news to his people, Okay, so so that's why. Okay, in a in a nutshell, why why guard your heart, why keep your heart? Because it is of eternal value. Hey, let that sink in for a moment because that can stay on an intellectual level. We can say these kind of churchy things, you know, here and kind of, oh yeah, cool, right? Yeah, amen, like I don't even know what amen means and everyone else is saying it and so I'm gonna say it too. Not to shame you for saying it, right? Keeps, I say all the time, this is call and response, right? I wanna make sure we're tracking and amen means I'm tracking with you. It means yes, I agree, I agree with that. A- and so when I say that though, like again, let's all individually and communally pause and recognize that your heart And every human heart in the world has eternal value and worth that God himself said, I'm going to come and lay my life down on a cross in order to rescue and restore. That's why these words, keep your heart with all vigilance, with all guarding, violently, lovingly protecting it because you recognize that every part of life flows from it and not just because your life matters but because you matter. Amen? And now, really practically, well, how? Okay, good, thanks for that. That's okay, I got it. and I've got all these these kind of feel good and I know that's, I tend to live in the ethereal. I studied philosophy and religious studies so like, Practical is not really my, my gig. Um not really easy for me, right? Some of you uh, engineer types and stuff, we know you're, you, you get this more. Well, how? Okay, thankfully a book like Proverbs, God is not like me. He's very wise and very practical, and he gives us, he tells us what it looks like. He tells us how to keep our hearts. And first, before we continue on in Proverbs um, 4, verses 24 through 27, where there's some really, really practical, helpful tips there for us. It begins with this assumption be humble. All right, be humble. Right, like you hear that, and, and and you think, okay, now what? Now I get my list of to dos that I can maintain. Now I get all the stuff that I can go about and keep my life in order. But it, there's this assumption here that continually begins again. Right, God says, "I will be your God, and you will be my people." That in the very beginning He created us dependent upon Him, and we can so quickly hear that, hear that, hear that, then all of a sudden take a sharp left and just veer off the road and say, "Oh, I've got it." Now. Now, I'm in control. You see this in Galatians chapter 2 and 3, where Paul, the author, calls the people out and says, You foolish Galatians, why are you now trying to do something in your own effort that didn't begin that way um, it, you know, to start with? No, you, you, you came to this by God's intervention and by His grace in your life. So stay there. Okay, in theological terms, justification, being made right, right standing with God, and sanctification, growing in light of that reality, growing in our faith in Jesus, and the final day of glorification, when he will get rid of sin altogether and we will be made new and given glorified bodies and live this life of glory in, in alongside Jesus and our, our rescuer and in the world that he oversees and, and, and redeems and makes new. The whole deal is by God's grace. It's through faithful, humble dependence on him. It's his initiative and he oversees it from beginning to end. Not just A, B, C, but A to Z. Amen? So we join with like the, the, the psalmist in uh, Psalm 121 with this kind of humble posture. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The very, the very creator of this world, the very creator of you and me, he's the sustainer as well. And, and so this, this, this humble picture of I need help, where does my help come from? Oh oh, yeah, and my help comes from you, Lord, my, my creator and my sustainer. And, and so this idea now of, okay, it begins with you, Humility. Okay, some of you might be saying that's not very practical. I w- if you said we we're going to get some practical now, but okay, the practical doesn't mean anything if it's not coming from the right place. It's a house of cards that is built up that will so easily come crumbling down, if not tethered to God's loving, faithful oversight. And now, very practically, we see in verse 24, right, that, that, lo- that pregnant question, How? How do we do this? It says here, Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. There's this picture of incredible, diligent intentionality, of walking, of not just taking for granted, uh, right? I, I sometimes use this phrase, it's often the one that pops up, but whatever it might be, right? Like if ever you kind of end a sentence with, well, you know how it is, or nobody's perfect, or, or, or more tragically, especially in the context of things that are being revealed in, in our culture today, of, well, boys will be boys, or wh- whatever else it might be, there's a sense of flippant surrender, to brokenness, to sin, to evil. And so how do we guard our hearts? A continual, constant, humble surrender to God, dependence on His oversight. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Remember, we talked about this last week. The most helpful witness test to whether or not we're growing in wisdom and walking in wisdom is what you do when you're corrected or rebuked. Okay, The alternative is to be a scoffer, is to be someone who says, who every time someone else speaks into our lives, we say, well, that's your opinion, or we have to run it through the filter of, I'm going to decide whether or not I'm going to accept that. I, don't know that. I don't know that you really know what you're talking about or whatever it might be, but a, a humble heart, even if what someone is saying is not true, begins with, God, would you reveal to me, Lord, maybe you've sent this person to open my eyes to something I otherwise didn't see. Yeah, and this is, a, this is a constant. Okay, this is really practical everyday stuff. This is like we should call one another out in love and reveal these things in marriage, in, in our workplaces, alongside people who are trusted. Okay, but this is more not thinking, oh, well, how does everyone else do this? This is more like let's look inward here and be honest with ourselves. How do I respond to correction? So how do we guard our hearts, protect it? Two things that really came flooding into my mind as I read through those verses a number of times is is this. The content we consume and the company we keep. Okay, the company we keep. Like, think through that. Like, who you spend your time with. Again, Proverbs is chocked full of this. We saw this last week in chapter 9. Who you spend your time with physically and through screens Whatever it might be, the people we're around will shape us. It's just true. If if your closest companions are like news, you know, political analysts on particular, you know, news stations that just run like on repeat in your house in the background throughout the week or the weekend or sports talk radio, okay, I'm talking to myself here, like, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, I drive to and from Phoenix multiple times a week, that stuff shapes us, whatever, I know for, for the, like, sports, a lot of times, it's just really sarcastic, it's constantly, like, picking people apart, just, and, and, and so at least, I'm not saying I'm going to stop listening to sports talk radio all the time, right, I got to stay awake somehow, but no, honestly, I'm not justifying this way, but like at least evaluating, right? Like what's coming into my heart? What's the effect it's having on me? The music that we listen to, I'm not going to give, God doesn't give us the easy way out here, okay? Like. Let me just say this like ever. There's not this like, remove your relationship with God so you no longer need the Holy Spirit. And just, okay, if you only listen to this kind of music, the music that would fall under this category of Christian music, now all of a sudden it's good and you don't need to even think about it. You can just kind of mindlessly consume. That's not the picture we get in the Gospels, right? I would submit to you there's a lot of music that would fall under christian music that was incredibly damaging and and could be really harmful and not paint a realistic picture of almighty god and his character and his love and his goodness and on the flip side there could be music that wouldn't fall under that category that can be incredibly thought-provoking and can open our eyes to the fullness of god's creation and 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 the reality of brokenness in our world and all these things so right it means intent like this word here of 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 vigilance diligence. It's hard work. Think through the content that we consume and how it shapes us because the rest of our lives flow from our very hearts. And also now the company we keep. All right, we have some great friends here that came today, they're here from San Francisco, and they were in Phoenix for a couple days, and they just drove down to spend some time with us and our family, and I was thinking about it. We've been friends for almost 15 years, almost the entire length that my wife and I have been married, And, 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 and I'm humbled to say, like, they would drive down, you know, it's not an easy trip from Phoenix to here, and they would get less than 24 hours with us, and yet it's, the reality of like when God gives you relationships, community that 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 help you, that sharpen you, that grow you, it's it's worth making the effort to 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 be around each other. A couple of weeks ago, we our kids had fall break and we we got a few days away in Pine Top and some of our friends, the Garcias. Um, I don't know if they're here. Today, but, but they went with us and we, we spent four days together and it wasn't, we didn't have like, it wasn't a retreat. It, I, we didn't have like, I didn't wait, you know, come out. Oh, we got Bible studies planned and now everyone gather around and it's just like us, another couple and kids. And it was just as we're going again, the picture you get in Deuteronomy. Chapter six, the Shema that was talked about in that video. Just in continual everyday life, we we hung out together. It we 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 played Capture the Flag together. We worked through disagreements and stuff. We we worked through like fifty times of telling our kids to be careful when they were casting the, the hook and not to, you know, catch one of us by the lip and, you know, and all that stuff. Like, it's just normal everyday life. I took like a two-hour nap right there and they were just, everyone was around. It was, but it's like this kind of stuff, everyday normal life, just like living out the realities of there's nothing to prove and nobody to impress. Like living out the, these, gospel, these biblical realities that form and shape our hearts in ways we don't even know or Happening. Hey, consider the content we consume and the company we keep. It absolutely shapes your heart, and the rest of your life flows from there. Amen? And also, kind of the, the last practical thing I want to give here is what has been historically referred to as the means of grace or spiritual discipline. Some of us, you know, have, have heard them called. It's this, read your Bible, spend time in prayer, get, carve time out, when, however it might look for you, of solitude, where you come before God, where you hear from Him, where, where you, in a sense, a okay, picture like this, where you kind of, you put your heart on the table before God. You say, God, lead me, inform me, shape me. Right? I know my life is affected by these things, and I know I can easily be contaminated or distorted in ways I don't even know are happening. So I'm going to carve this time out on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, on a maybe a monthly or even an annual basis. Just this intentional coming before God humbly to be led, to be helped, as Psalm 121 says, by Him. And then something else, as we do as a church, I don't want to just assume we all get this stuff. When we gather together, our weekly r- rhythms, I know there's been a lot of conversation. Some friends brought up to me this week, and we might have some kind of communal conversation about it. There's been a huge movement. Um, uh, one uh, a, a, a well-known hip-hop artist, Lecrae, kind of lo- led the way um, in this. I don't want to open up a can of worms that I can't fully dive into here, but um, I guess I have somewhat. And even... Um, specifically it's already open just keep it going right and even within like the african american community um in here in the in the us specifically there's been r- rightly let me just say justifiably in a lot of ways a recognition of the distortion of corporate church of of and a lot of people faithful followers of jesus who said i because i don't have a safe place within God's people within his church to work through these very real life difficulties, evils. Because church has proven time and time again to not be the safe place where I can work through this stuff, come on, then I'm out. Like if I, I'm not walking away from Jesus, but I, I, where am I supposed to go? And let me say, I can't empathize. I can't, I'm, I'm a part of, I'm a, I'm a white middle-class male. I, I have never experienced that in, in that kind of way. I've never been in a place where I said there's no safe place for me to work this out. Okay, and so I know, and I have friends, I know that's kind of, like I've been in conversations this week with people who are actually walking through this difficulty, this reality right now. I love Jesus, I love his church, but it's just, it hurts too much. So I want to speak into, how does that play into what we're talking about right now? How does that play into guarding our hearts? First, in that conversation for me, it begins with, I don't know what you're going through. I I care about you. I want to understand. And also, as I read the word, as I understand the history of the church and of Jesus' oversight, He's given us some rhythms, some means of grace that aren't just institutional Christianity. Like church, what we do here together, it hasn't always looked like this. It hasn't always been the same. You know, there were house churches was kind of the way things looked for a lot of years But either way, in and out, it looked like what we're doing together, what we walk through every week when we come together and there's a a call to worship, there's a recognition that we are worshiping something or someone throughout our days. And it's a reminder, a a, a returning of seeing the glory of God, a call to worship Him and Him alone. And then there's a time of confession, right, where we confess our sins before God alongside one another. Like in James chapter 5, confess your sins and pray for one another, for the prayers of A righteous person bring about much or great healing, and then we stand in the assurance of grace in the in the individual and communal identity of who we are as the people of God, and we stand there together. And then we come together, and we we and we we hear the preaching of God's word for the transforming of our of our hearts and the renewing of our minds, and then we respond every week, and we come together, we take communion every week so that we can remember, so we can vigilantly keep after or guard our hearts, so that we never forget that by the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus, we have full access before God. And then we come together, and we sing, and we pray for one another, and then we're sent out in the benediction, the sending out of God's people in response to the good news of God and the person and work and authority of Jesus, and then We hit wash, repeat, recycle. We come back around the next week because God is a God of rhythms. In the very beginning, in his created order, you see these rhythms that he himself walked through and then us made in his image. He calls us into to orient our days and our weeks according to the rhythms that he has set forth so that we will never forget that he alone is God and we are his people these things shape us. We gather weekly in redemption communities. We come together, not just because, oh, churches do small groups, and I guess that's kind of the cool thing. Oh, is it, a, is it a Bible study kind of church or a small group kind of church? Or what is it, you know, you got to pick what kind of church you are. And then we just do these things, and we don't, no, we, we do them because however it's expressed, right, however we walk through it, whichever, whatever our, our kind of outpouring, it means we're, we're saying, I need God, and I need His people. I need to be reminded of the good news of Jesus. So my conversations with my friends that I referred to earlier, and kind of full disclosure, I had no intention of opening <laughs> that conversation here. And if you want to talk more, I would love to, and we would love to talk more about that, that subject. But as I get to have conversations with African American brothers and sisters who are walking through these very real um, these very present realities in their lives. And I'm not just distant from it, but by God's grace, I get to be a part of it. We get to embody the gospel together. The good news of Jesus together. It's not always easy, it's messy, but it's good because he's overseeing it. This conversation comes to, I don't know what the exact expression will end up being, but I know that corporate gathering together is one of the ways God has given us to protect our hearts individually and communally. And so now as we close, um, I want to acknowledge potentially a massive elephant in the room. Not the elephant I just brought in, (laughs) but uh, another one. In light of guarding your heart, protecting your heart, where, where that's coming from, for some of us here, we might be exhausted by that. We might be thinking, I, I've been trying my whole life, I, and, and we're thinking through the lens of behavior modification. Okay, I, I rem, like again, as we saw in Scripture there, you don't, if, you, if apart from God's intervention, we have hearts of stone. No matter how much effort we give, it doesn't just all of a sudden become a heart of flesh, Okay, when I was in, in, in college, I know nothing about cars, and I knew nothing about cars then. I knew even less then than I know now, but my car wasn't working, so I took it to like AutoZone or whatever, and, um, and I got a new... Big, battery, and I put it in, or had someone else help me put, put it in, and then I drove it off, and like two days later, same thing started happening, got it towed back there to AutoZone, because I didn't have enough money to go to a mechanic, and, um, you know, same thing, got a new battery. Well, third time around, the AutoZone person was like... Um, hey, uh, we, I know we have a lifetime warranty, but this is like three days in a row. You're coming back in here getting new batteries. Let's go out and see what might be wrong with it. And I, some of you who know cars might see where this falls short, but basically he revealed to me that I had a bad alternator and that just getting new batteries wasn't going to get it done. It might feel better. It might look a little better. It might drive a little more you know, efficiently for a couple days, but eventually that even wouldn't work because... Uh, an alternator is meant to keep your car going. A battery just gets it started and gets everything going and then kind of hands it over to the alternator. If the alternator's bad, it's going to just drain your battery really, really quickly. And that's what anything, I hope, you, I hope this is never a place where you hear, like, take two of these and call me in the morning or just do these one, two, three easy steps and your life will be fine. I hope it always comes back to the reality that outside of a new heart that only comes from God's intervention, that He has provided through the person and work of Jesus, all our efforts are futile. And so so as we now consider how we respond, I first want to just challenge you. Wherever you are, do some personal evaluation and, and consider your heart. Have you put your faith in Jesus have you have you have you said I, I surrender, I, I I give my life to you. I need a new heart, and then thank you for providing it. I see that that I need Jesus desperately, and this might be your first time here, your first time hearing this, or it might be you grew up in the church, and you've and you've never had had it explained to you or you've never heard it done in such a way where you acknowledge, man, it's not just about behavior modification. I need a new heart. God has provided and he's calling you to respond in faith. And then for all of us here, it means we do evaluate our hearts. We consider, God, how have I not kept my heart? How have I taken you for granted? How have I tried to say, I got it from here, I'll take the reins, I'll, I'll figure it out? Whatever it might be, as we now pause and move into a time of response, I will just want to give a moment, as I pray, for all of us to reflect, to consider. Perhaps there's conviction. I hope for all of us it leads to rejoicing, to worship, to response, to, 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 to glad thanksgiving for what God has provided. He's given you a heart that has eternal value. And He's called you to guard it, to keep it. Not in your own effort, but through continual humble submission to Him. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time we've had in Your Word. Thank You that we are Your people. Lord, let us never take that for granted. You and You alone are God. And by your grace, your undeserved favor, we get to be your people. And Lord, we don't have to do anything to come and get it all figured out and make our lives look cleaner. Lord, try to make our hearts look prettier. Lord, you call us. You, you enter in, you intervene right where we are. And then you make us new. You give us new hearts that we could never give ourselves. Lord, you turn what is stone into flesh. So I pray now that we would all joyfully and humbly and worshipfully respond to you and your good news. In Jesus' name, amen.